It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alstel. Okay, it is car con carne. I'm James Van Alstel. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. The podcast is right here in my car to my right. It is Colin Peterick. Colin Peterick is a musician. He's a songwriter. He's a studio wizard. He is headlining City Winery on Randolph Street right here in the big city of Chicago on Tuesday night, Tuesday the 5th? April 5th. Fantastic. Headlining. Yes. That's a big deal. Big deal. I'm excited. So before we talk about that, before we talk about your excellent new album, and there are so many sonic nuances to it that I want to dive in, I I should mention previously on Carcoon Carne, your father was in the front seat. Yeah. Your father, Jim Peterick, a local legend. Mm-hmm. Were you aware he was a legend growing up, or was he just dad? Uh, he was just dad. Uh, you know, I didn't really know it, know it any other way until, you know, we'd always go out for dinner, and, you know, people would stop us for autographs and pictures, and we would get glaring looks from my mom. And so <laughs> I kind of knew things were different, but uh, I got used to it pretty quick. Jim Peterick, Ides of March, Survivor, all those 38 special hits. All right, so we've had your dad. Tonight we have you, Kellen Peterick. After this, are we done? Any more family members? Are we covered? Do we... Unless you want to talk to my wife, who's a great uh, uh, dental implant salesman at Clear Choice, then I think we're, we're pretty much covered. I, I know nothing about <laughs> dental implants. Well, if you want to learn, you should have her on. She's, she's great. Meredith Peterick. Clear it's Choice. A... You get a discount if you mention Car Cone Carney. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's the mark of a good podcaster. If you yeah. have a promo code, right? That's, that's, that's the sign of success. There you go. All right. So City Winery, which is a lovely place. It is. Tuesday night. You're headlining your new album, your debut album, Everything and Nothing. Let's talk about that. Sure. To me, this sounds like something that could have easily been released in 1978. Mm. There's definitely a 70s vibe and feel to this. Absolutely. Is is that your sweet spot or is this something you explored specifically for this album? I think it's kind of my sweet spot. I'm kind of obsessed with the 70s and the 60s. You know, some of my favorite bands are... Steely Dan, mm-hmm. Genesis, The Beatles, uh, The Zombies, sure. all these great like Baroque pop bands from the late 60s, Pink Floyd, and uh, progressive and jazz rock from the 70s, and kind of all merged together with some of my current favorite bands like Ween, My Morning Jacket, Lana Del Rey, kind of with the uh, current uh, you know pop sensibilities, and kind of weave it all together, and uh, that's what we, we came up with. Because listening to this album, right out of the gate, you've got Smile, which has almost this yacht rock groove yeah to it uh-huh. which is different from all the bands you just described <laughs> right well steely dan a little bit but a little bit yeah they, they had their yacht rock moments they did like maybe circa gaucho yeah absolutely. Or even asia yeah I, I love that stuff too me too is that a guy thing yes yeah if you go to a steely dan show you will not see very many women no like i feel like more women were coming to rush by the end and they were always <laughs> like the the barometer for yeah like dude dude music but i think steely dan is the new barometer steely dan is the is the kings of, of dude rock Another song that I just adore on this album is Cocaine Nights. Mm. Because, you know, I'm no stranger to the Cocaine Nights. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, catchy Hook. This is this is your club song. Yeah. This this is this is your everyone on the floor yeah. sort of thing. Tell me about this one. So this song is kind of just, uh, it's just me kind of experimenting with, you know, music has this awesome ability to be able to transport people to a different place in a different time. And uh, I love music that can do that. You know, you close your eyes and you feel like you're you're in a different a different place. And uh, Cocaine Nights 
you close your eyes and you, you imagine being at a late night party and uh, drinks are flowing, people are handing you stuff and you're not asking too many questions and you're just letting the night kind of take you away. And so, you know, I don't condone uh, the use of illegal drugs, but uh, this song kind of is like an escape, escape well, song. I was going to ask, I mean, I, I have a certain amount of charming naivete when it comes to that stuff mm. in, in the music scene. Is there a lot of that going around? A lot of what? Cocaine, drugs, <laughs> backstage... Uh, no, I think it's, I mean, at, at the level I'm at, it's, it's no, it's, we're, we're backstage, we're texting our, our wives, we're <laughs> FaceTiming with the kids, but, uh, you know, we're trying to keep it cool, we're trying to keep it clean, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, officially, don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs, there's your lesson from Kellen Peterick. Right. Uh, the video fits the song perfectly. Do you like doing video stuff? I do, yes. It was definitely a, uh, a thing where I had to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I, I was, you know, a year ago today I had no content. I had a, I had a great album, but no videos. And I'm like, man, I just want to put this album out. I don't want to do any videos. I don't want to do any social media. And then I, I got a manager in, involved and he's like, listen, you got to do the social media. You got to do the videos. I'm like, ah, so kind of just stepping out of the comfort zone, mm-hmm. getting into the swing of things with the, uh, you know, with the, the, the public appearances and the videos. Mm-hmm. And eventually, yes, it's a lot of fun. I got, I got used to it. We've done five videos now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, every every time we do it, it's more more fun and more successful. I've said this before, Colin. I believe it. I feel like we are at the cusp of what could be a video renaissance. Mm-hmm. I think the pandemic allowed that to happen when artists couldn't tour, couldn't perform. This other avenue of expressing your creation. I, I think it's something that a lot of artists should be and probably are at this point tapping into more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of stuff changed with the pandemic. Lots of pivoting. Um, lots of you know live streams and uh, people had to figure out ways to make money other than going out on the road right. and uh, it involved the audiences a lot more a lot more like mm-hmm. direct engagement with fans and uh, every time you can directly engage with fans you earn a, a lifetime fan so I think uh, the smart the smart artists and the smart creators were able to capitalize on that at the very end of the album there's Michiana mm. tell me you're Midwestern without telling me you're a Midwestern that's, that's <laughs> that song right there yes yeah. And it, it, this is, I mean, going back to the, that 70s vibe, I mean, it's soft rock with those disco horns. Yeah. It just, it is, it is a moment. It, it is a very evocative. Yeah. I call that song my, uh, my pocket symphony because it's like, it's really concise. It's like three minutes and 30 seconds, but there's, you know, an eight, eight piece string part and horns mm-hmm. and a choir and drums, vocals, guitars, shakers, you know, background vocals. It's really, uh, uh, a, I think a gem of a song on the album and I love that it closes out the album but uh, yeah I, I really like that song it's really special to me and uh, I love the chord changes and the lyrics and uh, we did a video for it in Michigan City by the uh, the nuclear nuclear uh, you know cooling tower mm-hmm. kind of a cool vibe you can go check that out on YouTube yeah the video opens with the Wurlitzer yeah just sets on the, the beach tone. and I had to carry the Wurlitzer up the up the <laughs> dunes by the way so I was paying for that the next day I, I bet you were <laughs> how much speaking of Michiana and the, the dunes how much does your environment inform your songwriting like being a Midwesterner being in and around Chicago and the, this, yeah. this landscape 100% you know I always usually you know I'll go on like road trips and I'll write a, if I go to like Nevada or something I'll write a song about Nevada like it's just you take in being a songwriter the world is the is your office mm-hmm. you know so Everything that goes through my mind is dictated by my surroundings, and uh, that's why I love to travel. You know, when I was a kid, I used to travel around the Midwest with my skateboard and just, like, look for skate parks. Like, I'd go to Louisville, Kentucky, just drive there and skate in the middle of the night and, uh, you know, drive home and work on lyrics. And uh, so, yeah, it's a a big part of it. And uh, I uh, 
my parents had a place in Michigan. We would go up ever, ever since I was a kid. I have some great memories and uh, kind of diluting all those memories into a song. That's what Michiana is. Got it. And I knew that you'd said that your skates, the skate culture had kind of led led you to where you are now. And yeah. of course, I hear that and I listen to your music and I was trying to make a connection there, but it's more of more of the spirit than it is I think the, so. the sound. Yeah, I think uh, when I was a kid, like my first love was skateboarding. I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. And then I kind of realized that you can get girls with music too and it's less dangerous. So <laughs> I moved on to music. So it, it is true that some people go into music for girls. Yeah, it's not I think the, most of them do. Not the creative satisfaction. It's, no, no, it's the girls. It's for the, it's the, the, I mean, in high school, right? It's These are the formative years. You, you, how, do you separate, how do you separate yourself out? You're not going to, you know... Got, you got to do something to stand out. When did you start playing? Was it was it that early? Uh, eighth grade, I, I started playing keyboards. Um, formed my first you know band. It was just like a joke of a band. We were called the Mike Hancock Seven. There were five of us, and nobody in the band was named Mike Hancock. So I, that's great. <laughs> Honestly, that's that would work in the present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the first first group, and then high school, I got more serious. Got together with some guys that were more serious. We formed a progressive rock band called Lobster Newberg. We did. <laughs> we did two albums. That's so bougie. It, it was. I love the name, Lobster Newberg. Actually, you can check it out. I think some of our stuff is still online. Progarchives.com did a bunch of reviews on us and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, because that that community is so tight knit. You know, it is. So you never. How, how did you rebel as a child? Because obviously, what you could have done growing up, you know, you're going to rebel against your dad. I'm not going to make music. I'm going to be an attorney. Yeah. Did Did you rebel in other no, ways? No, I, I think I I wanted to be a skateboarder more than I wanted to be a musician. Um, but I was not the best student. Like I remember, and I, I was like, I'm a smartass. You know, I'm kind of a uh, a. Uh, <laughs> So I would like I'd get like a bad grade in eighth grade, and I'd have to take it home to get my parents to sign it. Yep. And I forged the signature, got caught. My dad confronted me, and I and I remember he said, I told him, Dad, consider this a learning moment. Oh, and, you said that to him. And he's like, No, I am supposed to say that to you. So <laughs> I've kind of always been, you know, too uh, too too smart for my own good. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I was a, I was a pretty good kid growing up, and uh, my dad and I have a and my mom have a great relationship, and he's my number one fan, number one supporter. I so love hearing that. It's all good. Yeah. So how does it feel to put everything together and put it put it in an album form, like finally get it out there in the universe? It's surreal. You know, I had all these songs floating around my head pre-pandemic, and I thought, you know, hey, I'm in this Steely Dan band, which is doing well. Um, I'm kind of fulfilled with my life right now, but uh, pandemic happened, 2020 lockdowns. I'm like. I, I have so much material and I have nothing to show for it. So I'm going to piece together all my best stuff. I'm going to finish these kernels of ideas. I'm going to compile an album that I can be proud of. And, um, and that's over the next year and a half, that's exactly what happened. Teamed up with Craig Bauer, amazing mixer, who had a studio here in Chicago, Hinge Studios. Now he's in Denver. And he's mixed Kanye West, um, you know Ed Sheeran, Lupe Fiasco. He's won Grammys. And he was kind of put the finishing touch on all the songs and the stamp of approval. You know, he made it sound sound the way it sounds right now. Yeah, I feel like he knows what he's doing. He does. He's a, he's a good guy. Golden ears. But you're also a studio guy. I mentioned yeah. that. I mean, so you, I mean, you kind of, you know who to who to recruit and enlist to yeah. polish yeah. off your songs. Yeah. And I, I I could have mixed the album myself, but I felt like I was too close to it. Yeah. I wanted somebody to have an outside influence on it, and um, you know, be honest and tell me if something didn't work. Or if they, you know, wanted to change change something, I wanted that influence. I, I I think that's a really important thing for artists is having that kind of neutral opinion, like no someone who doesn't have that much of a stake in it who can like 
take that higher view of everything and say, no, yeah. actually, if you do X, Y, and Z, this might be a better approach. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he was able to do that. And uh, we would talk on the phone every day about, and he was, he was so into the project. I think I sent him the song Jack and Jill, which is track two on the album, which is very uh, Steely Dan uh, in, inspired. And he was blown away by it. And he's like, dude, let's do this. You know, he had some, uh, some time la- last year and uh, he knocked it out of the park, frankly. So knowing that you are, the 70s are, are a decade that speak to you. That, that's, that's a period of music that resonates with you. Talk to me about how that applies to putting out an album. I mean, are you, are you going to put this out on vinyl? Or are you going to eight track? <laughs> vinyl, yes. But the thing is, there's a, a great vinyl plant here in Chicago. Um, uh, I think Smash, it's called Smash Plastic. Smash Plastic, yes. And I just reached out to them, and they're currently at a 36 week turnaround time with all these supply chain yeah. issues. So I'm working on it. It's gonna it's gonna happen for sure. But you know, streaming. Mm-hmm. happens overnight so uh, it's definitely going to be out streaming June 12th is the official release date it'll be available everywhere we've already got um, four singles from the album out on Spotify right. working on some new videos now that's why I'm always hesitant in a situation like that to go too deep into an album that people can't listen to yeah Yeah. so talking about the stuff that's available on video yeah. yes. and Spotify feels right. like that that's safe and maybe True. once the record comes out the the album when once it's released we can do this again and go yeah. a little bit it's a good idea. Deeper. So it's not like, hey, it's April. In a couple months, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Just remember this conversation. Yeah. Refer back to this when the time comes. Uh, so owning a studio, are you like a, are you a gear nerd? Are you, is, is that, is that yeah. a hobby? Yeah. I love microphones. You know, I, I drool over microphones and preamps and stuff like that. Okay? Yeah. I've got, I've got one of the, actually, I, this is the mic I use on stage. It's really the Sennheiser? Sennheiser, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I prefer it to the SM58. All you right. know, but that's a great mic too. But to to be honest, the gear is cool. But I love, I just like it to be simple. Plug in, set up a mic, and record the idea mm-hmm. before it leaves my brain. So mm-hmm. my, I really value just simplicity, streamlined approach. Because if you can't capture the the idea before it's gone, then what's the point of even having a studio? Totally agree. <laughs> so again, Tuesday night, City Winery, headlining. Yeah. How do you approach something like that? Uh, well, rehearsal, rehearsal, promo, promo, <laughs> rehearsal, promo. But I'm sure you're excited. <laughs> I'm very excited. Hey, yes. do, you, do you drink wine before the show? No. No, I'm going to be sober as a judge. <laughs> After the show, I might have a couple of beers, maybe a martini. I think you will have earned it. I think I'll have earned it. Yeah. All right. And again, the album comes out in June. We can see you live on stage, which feels great to say. It feels great to, to sit here with you, Colin. Talk about live performances yeah. in Chicago. No masks. Yes. We're I, I, doing this. Yeah. I'm vaxxed. I'm boosted. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is Colin Peterick. If you're watching or listening to this prior to the evening of the 5th, April 5th, it's Tuesday night, go see him at City Winery, which is a lovely place to go just in general. Awesome to see live music there. Colin, headlining, performance, see in there and then of course the album comes out in June uh, I love what you're doing and again this album could have been released in 1976, 1977 no one would be the wiser, no. that's what I love about it, I've been waiting for someone to do something like what you did here and you did it thank you man, I appreciate it alright, this is Carcon Carney, thank you for watching and listening go support Colin Peterick